Welcome to Mindless, a semi-serious podcast where two friends try to figure out how to be mindful, manifest their best lives, and love themselves. My name is Lorena Schutt. And I'm Kelly Niner. Join us while we try to figure out how to be more and mind less. Hello, gorgeous. Hello, my love. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I am good, yes. Good. How are you? Um, a lot has happened in this past week, so I feel very exhausted, and it's only Thursday. And you know that we have a big day tomorrow as well, so. <laughs> yeah. Same, actually, but I feel like I say this every time, but like I feel like I'm always mentally and emotionally going through some healing, deep work, and I think it is over, and then... We sit here again a week later, and I'm like, lol. <laughs> yeah, y'all don't know this, but usually when we plan to record, I get here, and then Lorraine and I talk for about an hour and a half, and then we record the episode. <laughs> yeah, we do. I actually don't know how it'll work in any other way. Are there people that record podcasts where they just like show up and record it, and then they leave? To be honest, I think it's good that we're doing it this way, because we're kind of getting into a groove and already getting into a rhythm of like talking and like going deep because like Kelly and I don't just talk about the weather <laughs> never <laughs> so yeah and today we're actually talking about our spiritual journeys kind of so I think it's gonna be quite a casual episode but we're gonna talk about how we started our spiritual journeys how it aligns or doesn't align with religion and what our background is there and um yeah just the journey we had and where we are now and where we think we're going because i i think we come from quite different backgrounds in some ways and quite similar backgrounds in other ways and then we both ended up at very different points as well with like i feel like the lens that we both use for our spirituality is different but at its heart it's the same I agree I agree yeah I think like for most of it it's just semantics that's different rather than actual perspective yeah yeah I agree yeah but yeah um should I start yeah go ahead (laughs) tell your story oh goodness um so maybe some of y'all can relate but I come from a family of two ex-catholics who basically decided that They wanted both of their children to grow up in some kind of religious culture. Um, They actually originally wanted my sister and I to be baptized Catholic, Mm -hmm. but the Catholic church in my hometown wouldn't let them because my mom's best friend and her husband, who are my godparents, aren't baptized Catholic, and the Catholic church wouldn't let them be my godparents. So my mom was like, cool, fuckity bye. Right, yeah. (laughs) So that's how I ended up being baptized in the Lutheran Evangelical Church. Churches are so fucking strict, right? Like, what's that about? Because apparently God would be mad (laughs) or something. I don't think so, because God (laughs) and I are real good friends. And I've done some shit. (laughs) I mean, same because I am God or something. Some really smart person told me that once. 
it's weird looking back on it because I was definitely one of those people where I just grew up thinking it was normal to go to Sunday church and then have Bible school beforehand, like Sunday school. Mm-hmm. And kind of did it pretty much without questioning, even to the point that like when I was younger, I must have been like eight, nine or ten. I went to Bible camp for two summers. Wow. I wish you guys could see the look that Lorena just gave me. (laughs) So sad I didn't know you back then. It was interesting, like, especially going to a camp where, like, part of your activities is literally, like, you get up and you say prayer together first thing in the morning, and then you have Vespers where you're supposed to just, like, be in your cabin, like, thinking about God, and instead we're, like, playing Scrabble. (laughs) Like, it's really weird. I think, uh, so my parents basically made a deal with my sister and I where um, they wanted us to go through being confirmed in the church. And basically, in a lot of Christian religions, you have kind of two big rites of passage. You have your, um, so you have your communion. I actually do know because I had one. Really? Yeah. You had a communion? Mm-hmm. Oh, snap. Mm-hmm. How old were you? Nine. Yeah, I think I was like. I think I, think we, I was nine. I think we did communion at like i think it's always like a specific yeah i don't know it's around that age i think it was nine because it was quite young mm-hmm. i remember where like which is weird when you think about it because basically they're making these children like the whole point of communion is that you're accepting christ into you and you're se- accepting him as your ultimate lord and savior and like i feel like that's kind of a lot to ask a child i didn't really know this like i just knew i was getting a lot of money <laughs> from relatives and I was like okay I'm doing this (laughs) like I didn't understand the purpose at all and I mean I'll I'll talk about my um relationship with the church and religion as a child after you finish your childhood part but yeah it's weird to know so many other people who have had similar like experiences where you go through this thing and it takes up such a huge part of your life and then you look back on it and you're like, yeah, I didn't understand any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how can you as a child? Like, how can you make those decisions? I didn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. So my parents' thing was you have to go through confirmation, um, which, like I said, was like around 9 or 10, and then you have to be confirmed in the church. That's like your second big rite of passage, which is basically, I guess at that point they think you're old enough that you can – come out publicly as like an active part of the congregation of your church yeah like you're no longer like a child in the eyes of like your community yeah which is hilarious because my mom said both of you just have to go through confirmation and then you can make the decision yourself Mm, so we had to do this thing that was supposed to be confirming that we wanted to be there and then of course I turned around and I was like I don't want any part of any of this yeah see like for me I'm just gonna like tell my quick story to this point so it's kind of aligned. No, yeah, of course. And it makes sense. Um, but yeah, like I, it's funny because it's like a similar story, but it's also not because for me, I was kind of always against it. Um, but that's because I kind of, I didn't understand it. My parents weren't really religious. My grandma, yeah, my, my grandma was really religious and um, my parents were not as much kind of like only going 
to church like occasionally like Easter Christmas kind of like special occasions rather than every Sunday yeah but they would be members of the church they would go to church on those occasions and for us children it was kind of like yeah communion was a must um or like not a must I guess but like we were too young to make the decision and it was just done whereas then uh confirmation was how old was I like 13 14 and they were like you can choose if you want to do this or not and by that point I'd already made up my mind because for me it's funny because I feel like if the church hadn't been the church if there hadn't been so many rules and institutions and like regulations I probably would have been religious because I was always a deeply spiritual child and asking all the hard questions like I remember being at my grandma's house and being like grandma what's god grandma what comes after death those would be the conversations unsurprisingly that i'd have with my grandma i was never really a child no lorena came out at the ripe old age of 23 (laughs) (laughs) and was like hello where's my career (laughs) my favorite childhood movie is the green mile what (laughs) I love you so much (laughs) anyways I was always kind of a spiritual child and I was always like super interested but because the church was as it was and I of course was the rebel that I was especially when it got to the age of like 13 14 that was also the time when in school we could choose I think after confirmation or if we were not confirmed basically we could choose whether we wanted to quit the church or like from that age we could like go and quit the church if we if we wanted to and we could also choose whether we wanted to um in school attend religion classes or whether we wanted to do ethics instead And then from the age of 13 or 14, or I think it was 14, however old it was, I was like, no, fuck that. I'm going to go do ethics. I'm not going to do religion because it doesn't interest me. That being said, like I had read the Bible when I was like six years old. I was a weird child. Also not surprised at all. (laughs) (laughs) I I was a weird child. I was like sitting in the corner at four years old teaching myself how to read. I don't... I don't know why. Because you didn't want to play with other kids. Yeah, that was why. (laughs) (laughs) As an aside, I find it really fascinating that it was an either or of religion or ethics, as if they're somehow inherently contradictory to each other. I know, especially in ethics class, what we talked about were different religions in but like not just but in parts you know like that we we would talk about like buddhism for example and like that was really interesting to me and it's funny because now how i would define the word religious it like in itself would be someone who's like interested in religions and like really diving deep into all the religions i like that perspective yeah cool that's what i'm kind of thinking of so in that way like the ethics class was more quote-unquote religious whereas like the religion class was like we it was also separated by like whether you were like catholic or what's the other one protestant yes thank you so like those were two different classes 
Um, so I guess because my parents were Catholic, not strictly, obviously, but like on paper, and so was I, and that's a bit stricter. I was even more against it. But, but yeah, like it was weird because then you would just learn about like one stream of a particular religion and neglect everything else. Whereas like I wanted to know all the things and I kind of didn't like being told what to do. Yeah, I mean, that makes so much sense knowing who you are now. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah, I'm this just- was also during my punk phase. Just just to let you know, because I was 13. I had a punk face, yeah. I demand photos. There are probably some. I I can probably find I'm pretty sure my MySpace page is still out there somewhere. (laughs) Okay. Okay, contain yourself. All right, so that's clearly a conversation for pod. Kelly just fucking freaked out. (laughs) I have like a punk hot topic, like, you know, I I listened to, I mean, but also I felt like this was something I should mention as well. I did go to a private school for all of my elementary and middle school years, but it was Episcopalian, which is a branch of Christianity that's like quite liberal. So we had chapel on Fridays. That was like a school-wide thing. We had to go to chapel, but then we also had religions class and we learned about like islam and all the different religions and stuff like that see that's interesting why didn't we learn that yeah it was weird at at like a private school as well where like people did not expect that whatsoever that being said i don't know obviously if i had continued to go to religion class if we would have learned about other religions probably as well i don't even know that because i like left that when i was 13 14 just as a side note yeah But I guess that brings me to confirmation. And there's a very pivotal story. I love that story. Experience that happened. Yeah, it sucked. So essentially, I'd been part of the exact same church for the entire time that I had been, quote unquote, religious. And the pastor of this church was, it was the same man who baptized me when I was a baby. And he... Basically, I'd kind of noticed in like the year or two maybe coming up to confirmation that all of a sudden like, man, we're talking a lot more about like things that have that like the devil uses to tempt you with and stuff. And like, I don't remember the conversation. You have to bear in mind as well that I was the kid that sat through service. I did not listen. (laughs) I brought a book or my parents, God bless them, <laughs> would let me color in the pews with my sister. We had to like stand up when they did the hymns and the prayers and but stuff like, like that. Who like as a kid, who the hell listened? No, I wasn't listening fucking at all. Yeah. <laughs> but like on retreats and stuff, I was like, "Oh. Um, pastors really going hard on like Ouija boards and tarot and stuff like that and like how they're like tools of the devil." <laughs> See, I loved that stuff as a kid. Yeah. I loved it. Same. And I also... I had all of that stuff at home. At that point in my life, too, I was, like, very much bordering on agnostic, if not full-on atheist. Same. So, for me, any... Like, just the phrase, like, tool of the devil, I was like, okay. (laughs) Like, all right. Ha ha. Is the deck of cards. Calm down, sir. I say all of this to kind of build up to... Essentially, I'm not going to use names because I want to protect them, but there was 
uh, family that my parents had been very close with uh, in the congregation, and their eldest daughter was lesbian back in the days of MySpace. This daughter was a very, very active part of the congregation. She played bass in like the alternative Saturday service. She was one of the chaperones on all of the retreats we would go on. Like she organized fundraisers. Like if there was anything that she could do that made her feel closer to God, she would do it. She fucking taught the, oh God, I was in the bell choir, like hand mm-hmm. bells, like bam, bam, bam. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was real cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she taught, she taught, she was in the bell choir with me and like so, never seen someone who so joyfully loved God in oh. that way. So after she had been a chaperone in one of the retreats, a parent of one of the younger kids had found her MySpace where she proudly was out as a lesbian and decided to turn this information into Pastor And then rumor got around the church and me and my family naively were like, yeah, so? Mm-hmm. That's not going to be a big deal. It turns out I was wrong. And my pastor basically sat this woman down and conflated her being a lesbian with being depressed. Oh, my God. Or having other mental health problems. And um, reiterated that everything would be fine so long as she turned back towards God. And that, like, him and the congregation could, like, help save her, basically. Because this woman's family was so progressive, they obviously had no issue with it either. Because her family was so supportive, she very easily was like, um, no, this is the way that I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. And I know for a fact that God loves me exactly as I am. Oh, yes. And without missing a beat, he went, that's fine, but you can no longer be an active member of this congregation. You can attend service, but no more playing bass and joy reigns, no more bell choir, no more chaperoning. It's just ridiculous. And just like... And I'm so glad that she didn't let that like skew her like perspective that she that she was like no I know God loves me and I am perfect the way I am there are so many people that have like the same story that carry that with them I mean I bet she carries it like that experience with her as well but that carry that with them as a form of guilt which should not be the case And I do genuinely, that's why I mentioned that her parents were so supportive and her whole family were so supportive because I do genuinely believe it was because her parents brought her up loving God and herself. Yes. Like there wasn't any contradiction in either of those things in her mom's eyes. Beautiful. Which it shouldn't be, obviously. It shouldn't be. It's the same thing. But this all basically happened like two months before my confirmation and... My mother is very much a person who is like, you made a commitment, you need to keep it. Mm-hmm. And this was the one time that I was like, but do I really? Yeah. And she was like, it's in two months. We'll all leave. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, I gave that place a big old middle finger and never looked back because fuck that noise. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's scarring. 
And that's so heartbreaking. But like, it's not surprising, of course, knowing the church. And I think that's that's what always like was a big thing for me as well. Like, as I said, I probably would have been religious if it hadn't been for the things the church does and like the strictness of it and all those rules. And it just didn't make sense to me. Like, God loves everything because like now now i'm of the perspective god is everything and everyone exactly we're we're a part of god we are all god so of course there is no there is nothing you you do wrong like because like who you are at your core is god do you know what i mean i totally know what you mean and i think this is why like i just one of the things that i remember so much is like being told like Jesus loves you. And I just found it, it was so weird to remember hearing those words from this person and then also having to envision him telling someone that they are wrong, that they will literally go to hell for who they are. And I'm like, but you just said yeah, that Jesus loves everyone. It's definitely like the, the word of God basically taken from a human perspective. A hundred percent. And I do believe that a lot of the misinterpretation of the Bible comes down to humanity's insecurities. Absolutely. I'm actually, I, I told this to Kelly earlier, I'm currently reading A Course in Miracles, which is a spiritual text. It's very, very famous. Um, and it's a channeled text. I'm not entirely sure anymore, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that the person who was meant to be channeled is Jesus Christ. And when you read it, it's a very, it's very dense, heavy language. Uh, it's like a Bible. It's huge. It's very like tiny letters, but it's beautiful. And there's um, like every sentence has like wisdom in it. And you can tell it's not human language. Like it feels like God has written this. And um how I don't want to like mess this up and I don't know exactly how it's said in there anymore but basically forgiveness in A Course in Miracles is not defined in the traditional sense as someone did something wrong and I'm forgiving them for the wrong thing they did but it's more defined as that person just mistakenly saw themselves as someone else they saw themselves as not the son of god but really they are the son of god so there is nothing to forgive because nothing happened that's really sweet yeah i like that yeah i like that a lot as well it kind of also aligns with neville goddard's definition of forgiveness which is forgetfulness so he says to forgive is to forget which is like completely letting the past go. That's why I always found it interesting when people are like, because um, if you heard people say like, oh, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. And I'm like, but how is that possible then? Yeah, it's not true forgiveness. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, because if then you haven't actually forgiven me. You're just saying that you have, for, like why? To, so that you can feel like the situation is resolved. Yeah. But then if you don't, if you're not willing to let go, then it's obviously not resolved. Yeah, exactly. And I think like forgiveness is done within. It has nothing to like if you did something to me, quote unquote, did something to me, like I could forgive you for that without needing to tell you. 
and the same in the same vein like I could tell you I forgive you but not really mean it and still be angry like it's not it's not about what you say it's about what you feel yeah and if you don't forget if you don't let it go let's put it that way you haven't forgiven no exactly I just yeah I've always found that phrase very in in contradiction to itself (laughs) yeah I agree a friend of mine told me a few months ago that um, if you carry resentment or you can't carry anger towards someone it's like walking around with a hot coal in your hand ready to throw it but never doing it and you're just hurting yourself a hundred percent and as someone who's anxiety and depression overwhelmingly manifested in its in itself in anger i can say that that is very much right yeah well now we kind of derailed where were we (laughs) so i just finished so yeah basically with that story that was the full culmination of my leaving the church and being by like organized religious yes like experience as a child and i have been to a couple of church services since then but they've been so lovely because i actually wanted to go Mm -hmm. um and i got to appreciate it kind of from like an outsider's point of view too whether or not at that point in time if I took it seriously or not like oh these people here like really believe this and like it's beautiful how they're coming together to celebrate this thing that they all yeah believe in. so kind of from that perspective because even to this day like I still get such a feeling of like peace in mm-hmm. churches and also like I when I was like against church and against religion I would just hate everything that had anything to do with it. But now I'm like, oh my God, like the art is gorgeous. And I was never able to appreciate that. And like even like phrases in the Bible, like I would never even like, as I said in one of the manifestation law of assumption episodes, it took me a long time to read Neville Goddard's work because it had so many phrases from scripture from the Bible in it and so many ways of interpreting the Bible that I was like I can't read about God because like that term was annoying me whereas now I love it like now I would rather use God or consciousness or source consciousness like I don't say the universe or anything like that it's like not that it matters it's just terminology but I used to feel very uncomfortable with that because of my experience with the church. Whereas now I'm like, no, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think, and I think that shows so much growth because I was exactly the same where there was a couple of years thereafter where I was like, I'm an atheist. Religion is stupid. Like Mm -hmm. if you're religious, then you're not logical and somehow being logical is better yeah apparently I had a lot of stuff I needed to unpack um (laughs) it was just like rebellious against like the the thing that caused harm in a way even like and you just all that you did and all that I did again that's the magical tool is to change perception yeah and a lot of it like I ended up making friends with like even in the middle school that I went to it was an Episcopalian school and we had one girl who to this day is one of my best pals who's Muslim and like her being my best friend was never like it wasn't a thing yeah do you know what I mean 
and then going to university and meeting people from all different kinds of religions and then also being able to because I think if you're one of those kind of atheists you can be right about something but you don't have to be an asshole about it yeah and just because you don't believe that there's a god doesn't mean that you need to take that away from other people especially if the way that they're using that tool isn't causing harm to anyone just let people enjoy things yeah it's just bitterness i think when someone is so like severely against something in well, general it wouldn't be surprised it wouldn't be surprising either like religion organized religion in in and of itself is responsible for some of the greatest tragedies of our lifetime like of the history of the world exactly that being said religion in and of itself isn't inherently violent or vindictive yeah like it's the people who are using it to justify such things yeah exactly it's just sometimes used in the in a wrong way but yeah, so then how would you say that you coalesced that kind of like upbringing into the version of spirituality that you have today? Well, for me, as I said, I think I was always spiritual. Like I would have tarot cards. I would have a book of shadows. Like I, which is ironic now because that's not me now. It's me. <laughs> it is. It's Kelly. I, I always had like some spirituality in me. And then I think when I, like, I kind of left it behind, though. I kind of buried it deep inside because I was the weird one already. Um, and I didn't really know what to make of it. And then I defined myself. I identified as an atheist for a long time as well because I was just against religion or, like, against the religion I came from. And then... I think the next time I was kind of confronted with religions and spirituality was when I moved to India because it's such a beautiful country in that sense that all the religions kind of come together and like live together and it's not a problem. So that was beautiful to see and I got like interested in different religions then and I started looking into Buddhism that was my first path and I think it largely came from the fact that Buddhism was more of a philosophy than a religion it didn't have a god to worship because I think that was my problem with religions I didn't want to worship anything Mm. outside of me that I couldn't see that I couldn't perceive So then I started studying Buddhism, not extensively. I'm not an expert on Buddhism at all. Um, But I looked into it a little bit. I was interested in it. I wanted to learn how to meditate. And then I kind of dropped that again because life got in the way. And then this is always how I describe how my life changed, how my spiritual journey properly started, was when I was writing my master's dissertation and... I was in the library, in a library room, like, you know, those single rooms where it's just you. Mm-hmm. And I had my very first full-blown panic attack all by myself, fucking terrified, not knowing what was happening. And I remember after it was over, which obviously was only a minute, but felt like eternity, I 
was like, I think this was a, ba a panic attack. And I googled what to do, how to prevent one. And one of the suggestions was meditation. And that's how it kind of started for me because then I started meditating just as an experiment and it was not much and I would not do it consistently. I think we spoke about this briefly in the meditation episode as mm -hmm. well. Anyways, um, that was my journey into that. And then, then I kind of got into the kind of law of attraction stuff a little bit which I've spoken about um on various episodes as well which I don't subscribe to anymore because I also think there's so much more to life than manifesting stuff or like one formula or something yeah it's just like but, but like if you think about it that way in terms of like the law of assumption and like Neville Goddard's perspective and consciousness being the only reality, you manifest absolutely everything in your life. Everything that you see. Because it's not, it's also not you as in the ego you who's doing it. It's God and you are God along with everyone and everything else on the planet and out with the planet. So in that sense, you are manifesting everything. So it's like such a minuscule part. Yes, this is how the universe works. But I, I personally find... There are so much more important things now rather than consciously manifesting. I still do it because it's like, it's part of my life, but it's not the most important focus anymore. Yeah. It sounds like it kind of similar, would I be right in saying that like similar to how religion can help some people get through some dark times, it sounds like this particular type of spirituality came to you at the perfect time when you needed something yeah and like for me as it, it started with buddhism and and that was very much acceptance of what is and then and like desires and cravings aren't good kind of thing and i even went to a 10-day silent meditation retreat a vipassana retreat i wouldn't call it retreat actually it's not like a retreat at all it's more like a course she's told she's told me this story before and uh yeah I think I'm gonna pass I think I'm <laughs> gonna do it again I know you said that the first time you ever told me the story which at this point must have been like a year and a half ago you were like I want to do it again and I was like cool have fun <laughs> we should do a separate episode on this because I'm not gonna tell the story now it's way too long but um that was mind-blowing as well and that was very much it wasn't religious but it was very much the principles or like the technique, the meditation technique was based on or coming from Buddhism. Mm. But it wasn't religious at all. It was the opposite. You weren't even allowed to have anything spiritual or religious on you. Like I wouldn't be able to wear this crystal. And then I stumbled upon like the law of attraction stuff. And suddenly it was like, oh, desire isn't bad. Craving something, wanting something is not bad because it can happen if you accept it into your life. Um, so that was kind of like reassuring for me at the right time. And I'm glad I got out of that law of attraction vibe because, and I found Neville. And I don't say Neville, like obviously everyone who listens to our podcast and everyone who knows my content, be that like on my Instagram or like on my social media or my website or anything like that, Anyone who knows my content knows I love Neville's teachings, but I do not think it's the be-all, end-all. 
I think it's for me personally it's the basis and it's what I expand from and I very much believe in the principles he teaches but it's not the end point it's the starting point for me and this whole manifestation stuff was was the entry point into realizing how the universe works and yeah I think going back to the conversation we were having about being like being atheist as a form of rebellion the next kind of big spiritual thing I did before the whole atheism thing was I found Wicca yes interesting yeah like I never got to the point where I would be the type of person who would perform these like complicated rituals or rites or spells or anything but I had a book of shadows um, and I had a list in the back of it of people I wanted to hex. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because your way of spirit spirituality or like the things that you found are kind of the things that crossed my path and that I just missed because I found something else. But I easily could have gone that way as well. It's interesting. Yeah. I feel like it, like similar to me with like Buddhism and Eastern religions because in the classes that I was telling you that I had to take in middle school, um, obviously since one of my best pals was Muslim, like the the religion of Islam is like so peaceful and loving mm-hmm. and generous and compassionate and like wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> that that was so fascinating to me. But a lot of the a lot of Eastern religions kind of have this idea of um, not only like giving back to other people and the kind of that kind of thing that you always hear in Christianity, like um, do unto others as you would have do to yourself, but not just that, but they also have this like really beautiful connection to the earth. Mm-hmm. I love that. And also to like their ancestors, like their past. Native American and like South American um, religions or tribes or cultures have that very much as well and I think it's gorgeous I think we should all be closer to the earth and that was the thing is that I so I think like it started in middle school when I had this this interest peaked in like Shinto and like all these other kind of religions where they very much were like grounded in like the earth providing and then us respecting the earth as a form of like like honoring and then all of a sudden Wicca popped up and I was like ooh, yeah it (laughs) fits yeah like I can like ground my feet into the earth and like like you know give thanks to Mother Gaia for like where I am right now and also do magic. I mean, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say it was very short lived uh, phase back then, and then yeah, it was atheist for quite a long time, and my current spiritual spirituality. I mean, kind of think we've touched on this before, but it was mostly born out of me being really fucking depressed and not having anything else to really tether me to reality. It's so interesting because like for me, it started with anxiety. For you, it started with depression. So it's like, it's almost like, and you hear that a lot from addicts as well, recovering addicts, that when you hit rock bottom is when you find religion or spirituality Because before that, you're not ready, like, you're not ready to ask for a miracle, pretty much. Yeah, it's almost like you need to be in a place where, I mean, I think we said this off pod, where, like, you need to be in a place where you actually are okay with asking for help. Yeah, (laughs) and where you also realize, like, 
there must be more because what else are you gonna do like this is my last resort yeah yeah faith is my last resort genuinely it was me meditating begrudgingly I did not want to but Mm -hmm. also like my form of depression was just like pretty bitter I didn't want to do anything because I was like what's the point it's gonna suck and yeah it didn't go well for a really long time in the beginning but I think I had I had basically like one time where we meditated at the end of a yoga class uh, and I was crying Mm -hmm. and I was like this maybe is doing something Mm -hmm. and then on the back of that um if you guys uh have listened to our tarot episode um tarot cards presented themselves as a really important coping mechanism for me um because on the back of my depression I also had anxiety yay um and just both of those things in tandem like the meditation to ground me Mm -hmm. and the anxiety to focus myself yes so that my brain wasn't up here thinking about all of the things going Instead, at a I was million down miles here thinking about the things that were actually right in front of me yeah absolutely yeah meditation has been a huge part for me as well I mean that started with the whole Buddhism thing and then it's just followed me continuously um what's also actually recently meaning in the last year or so been part of my life and it's not a huge part of my life and there's a very specific reason why it's not a huge part of my life but it is different plant medicines and more like indigenous practices the reason it's not a huge part of my life is because I feel like it's very easy as a white person to culturally appropriate these practices which is something that I don't want to do I just appreciate the practices and I appreciate the culture and I want to honor it but there are obviously like plant medicine has been huge for my journey plant medicine and actually psychedelics in general this is now making the episode explicit. Damn it. <laughs> this will restrict our audience. Yeah, and psychedelics, because I do not condone using psychedelics or plant medicine. If you are questioning whether you should do it, please, please, please listen to our first two episodes. Seems like ages ago about plant medicine, because it's not for everyone. It's not fun. It's not a joke. It is to be taken seriously. These are powerful substances. Whilst they can help with, for example, mental health and literally rewire your brain, they can also put you deeper into a state of depression or anxiety. Or, for example, for people who have bipolar, depending on what type it is, no, 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 no. Big, big no. Can go very wrong. So I I want to clarify that. But for me personally where it has come into my life at the point in my life where it's where it's come for me and where I've been able to use it with guidance with um very experienced shamans from from ancient lineages it has been an incredible tool in the sense that not only in like a mental health sense but more in the sense that it literally expanded my consciousness and helped me see things 
beyond my five senses. Basically, what we were talking about in the last episode about ignoring the external reality when you're manifesting or the physical reality when you're manifesting your desires, it helped me see that there's more than this physical realm. Not everything that people would tell me um, in those journeys and those ceremonies from like ancestors and spirits and stuff like that it's because it's nothing that I've experienced I'm not sure how much but I believe in that stuff I don't think it's bullshit because I always think there's a core of truth to pretty much everything otherwise the idea wouldn't come up but um but I'm not like deep into that but it's been a helpful tool to like expand my consciousness and kind of see that I am a spiritual being having a human experience and not a human being having a spiritual experience. <laughs> That's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just wanted to add a caveat, like, and this is more on the harm reduction side. If you are someone who is considering self-medicating in any way, shape, or form, at the very least, can you please research, um, like, harm reduction techniques, uh, Read as much as you can about what it might affect with the state that you're in, with what kind of maybe mental health issues you have. If you are on medication, please, for the love of God, research how the two affect each other. Especially if you're like on SSRIs or something, 100%. antidepressants. Very dangerous. 100%. There's no judgment in any way, shape, or form anyways, but I think it's very different to want to 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 self-medicate in order to escape the pain that you're in versus self-medicating in order to understand the pain that you're in better so that you can move through it yes exactly um I think I mentioned this in the first episode that sometimes I get asked like what's the difference between a medicine or like using psychedelics as a tool versus using it as a drug like using it recreationally And I think the difference is that if you're using it as a plant medicine, you're going into the difficult things. You're going into the shadow. You're going into the fear. And when you're using it as a drug and just to have fun, you're trying to escape from whatever it is that you should face. So you're not working through anything. And that's the key difference. And that's also how you can have bad trips as well because the harder that you try and pull away, uh, the more that some of these... Uh, substances will force you to look at them Mm -hmm. Um, so they make the unconscious conscious essentially 100% anyways be smart be wise be safe yeah ideally don't do anything that's illegal go to a country if you want to do plant medicine go to a country where it's legal where you can do it at a licensed facility with an experienced shaman or guide don't do it in a garage at home don't especially not by yourself yes (laughs) very dangerous oh my Um, gosh we're now never gonna get on itunes that's okay i really like that we both have yeah like these core experiences that obviously led us to kind of the paths that we're both on Mm mm-hmm it shows that every experience is uniquely beautiful and as Ram Das says we are all just walking each other home we are all ending up 
at the same result eventually but like the journey there is different and that's good yeah yeah it's beautiful yeah to end this i think should we very briefly talk about where we are right now and where we are going if we're like working on something specific in a spiritual sense yeah i mean so i do call myself a witch my favorite thing about you're so cute my (laughs) thank you (laughs) my favorite thing about being a witch is that nobody else gets to decide what the definition of that is but yourself Uh uh-huh if there are any of y'all out there listening who are a part of like the witchy community um for those that aren't anyways there are loads of different types of witches that you can be you have kitchen witches who put magic into their foods you have eclectic witches who kind of do a dabble of everything you have lunar witches you have um celestial witches um all different types basically i would say i'm probably like like everything else in my life i can't make a decision (laughs) Kelly's a Libra and queer and non-binary. So like if there's a gray area anywhere, just let me build my home there and I can go sleep. (laughs) My idea of magic, I think I've mentioned this before, is purely about intent. Mm -hmm. And that it's like intent and the knowing that your intent is going to come true, basically. Which is funny because, like, I use different words, but it's kind of the it's same, the same thing. thing. <laughs> I love feeding you guys. I feel like I'm feeding you my love for you. Oh, beautiful. Because I love food so much, I really do believe that, there, that like, the combination of food and love can truly change someone or, like, help, like, help make them feel better, help calm them, help soothe them. Or, like, remind them of home if they're nostalgic. Like It kind of aligns with, with what you said earlier about li- what you like about the Eastern cultures with, like, the earth. Because, yeah. like, food is coming from the earth and it's, like, it's like a cycle. Exactly. It's all about cycles. Oh, man. That's, like, the, the core of Buddhism as well, cycles. Well, and, like, tarot is one yeah. big fuck-off cycle. <laughs> it's everything. Every yeah. religious teaching is basically about cycles. Samsara. Death and rebirth. Samsara, yes. <laughs> That's a, that's from Buddhism. Oh man, um, beautiful movie. Really, really hard at some points. Kelly's clearly not depressed anymore because they're <laughs> singing the whole time. Everything they say, I sing when I'm happy. Where was I? Uh, yeah. So I mean, that's part of it. The other part of it is I read a book by Gabriella Herstic, and she is a huge proponent of glamour magic, which is. Basically, to boil it down, just the idea that when you put stuff on, it makes you feel nice. And that in and of itself is magic. So, yeah. (laughs) And I think I've mentioned that before. Like, it doesn't really make a difference to me whether or not it's quote unquote real. Mm -hmm. The point is, is that I know when I'm wearing my high-waisted shorts with a really cute shirt tucked in and my big fuck-off patriarchy smashing boots... nothing can go wrong yeah i i mean it does come down to belief and faith and i think that's the beautiful thing about spirituality also compared to religion Mm. you can make it your own like for me 
I was just having a conversation with a friend earlier and they were having some mental health problems and seeking therapy and kind of derailing from their spiritual journey, which I don't think is true because I think everything is spiritual. Like every part of your journey is leading you back home. Mm. Um, And that's kind of like where I am right now because obviously like the core of my beliefs like the basis of what I believe in stems from Neville Goddard's teachings or like completely aligns with that but I think there's so much more and I would say what I'm currently really expanding on is just the knowledge that there is so much more than this physical realm so much more than I can see and perceive with my own eyes that it's all about perception, that everything that happens in your life is happening for you and not against you. Like, prime example, 2020. (laughs) To me, like... Sorry, I love that all you had to do was say the year that we're in and everyone listening is like, right? Yeah. Because I believe as horrible as the things are that happened this year and are still happening to me it's collective shadow work it's making the unconscious conscious and what it's also doing especially with movements coming up that are all about equality be that black lives matter be that be that trans rights be that women's rights all of these things are like coming up strong And to me, it's all a reminder that we are all one at the end. There are no binaries at the end. There is no duality. And this is all coming up so we can move past it. This this is how I choose to perceive it, regardless of what's happening. And in that sense, for me, everything is part of the spiritual journey. And it's all about how I view what's happening which is currently how I'm looking at it. And I'm also, so as I said earlier, I'm currently studying A Course in Miracles, which will take me a long time because I want to properly study it and not just read it. And And you guys should see that she's she's not lying. The book is massive. It it is. It's like a Bible. Like easily kill a spider that you didn't see and scared you. (laughs) Massive. And I know the basics of it because I've read like books about it. But I've I've not read the actual thing or studied the actual thing, which I'm currently doing. And that book, it's not Christian, by the way. I, I said earlier, it's like written by God and it works with very Christian terms, but it's not religious. It's very universal spiritually. It's just about love and forgiveness. And the fact that everyone at their core is love, is God. This is basically what my spirituality currently focuses on and what I'm currently expanding on is we are all God we are all one we are all love let's live from a state of love not from a state of fear and eventually we'll all end up back home at the source at unity which is what we really are at our core and where we came from that's so nice I feel like it's such 
it's such a beautiful contrast to mine where I'm like, I write people's names on a piece of paper and put them in my fridge if they piss me off. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, each to their own. This is the thing with spirituality. You can make it your own. I mean, BT dubs it that it works if if you want to try it. (laughs) Don't enforce separation, Kelly. We're one. I mean, at least it made me feel better. (laughs) I love that. I think both of our spiritualities at the core are about love and they are about. And that's what every religion is about at its core, no matter how people interpret it. But like, it's all about love. And in a more specific sense, connection. Yes. Not just with each other, but with whatever it is else that we have not yet come to understand. Yes. And like, um, I listened to a podcast recently and I wish I remembered where it was. But the guy in the podcast said that what he thinks our core desire is for each human is belonging. And I love that because that's essentially what we're all craving, what we're all like, we want to be accepted fully for who we are. We want to be feel connected. And it's actually ironic because essentially we are like, if, if you think about it, like from a religious perspective, even like God like when you die, you will be fully accepted. You will transition into like being fully accepted and nothing will matter anymore. That's what I believe at least. And that, that but that's also, it's why stories like my friends are so like heart-wrenching because yes. it feels like someone was saying that in order for you to belong here, to be worthy of belonging here, you need to amputate a part of yourself. Yes, something's not... You need not... to kill it and bury it and never look back. It's the opposite of acceptance. It's something is wrong with you. I just can't imagine being like, but also we're all about love. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense to me. But it feels like we've come full circle. Yes. Yeah. Um... Apologies if that was a bit of a rambly mess this time, y'all. We are very tired. Did I say that already? I know I did. But I'll I'm edit just reminding it. you. I'll edit it properly so <laughs> nobody will be able to tell. <laughs> but as always, make sure that you send any questions, comments, feedbacks to our email. Go follow us on Instagram, at Podcast, Facebook, Mindless. All of the things. Um, share the podcast with your friends share it with your enemies i don't care (laughs) yes um and of course we love you we love you very very much see y'all next time bye bye bye